Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors on strategies for corporations and corporate compliance programs under the new DOJ guidance issued in 2018. First, a word about Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004 and celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, Indeed, this month, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's compliance and ethics program, please visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Over the course of this five-part podcast series, we'll discuss some of the new DOJ guidance that came out in 2018, what companies can do with it both internally and externally, how a strong compliance program can be used as both a sword and a shield, and what are the benefits of using a third party to fulfill your compliance mandate. In this episode three, Vin DeCiani takes a look at what companies can do externally with this new DOJ information. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode of our five-part exploration of strategies for corporations under the new DOJ guidance. Today, I have back with me Ben DeCiani. Ben is the founder and CEO of Affiliated Monitors. Ben, uh, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Good to be back with you. Ben, yesterday we took a look at what companies can do internally. Now, I'd like to flip it to externally. So, what can companies do if they find themselves... Uh, with an allegation, uh, with an investigation, with something, a call from the Department of Justice or SEC uh, to start the external process early on? So um, I think there's a couple of things that that, um, can be done, and and it doesn't necessarily have to emanate from a, uh, you know, an event, you know, or somebody reporting something. You know, sometimes if you you assess yourself as a company or as a law department or as an internal compliance function, you can recognize that there are some things that you don't do very well, and you may need to outsource, you know, those things. Um, So um, in the work that Affiliated has done both, you know, as monitor and proactively, we have seen companies, um, let's go right to your issue of something has happened, right, and you have to self-report. So what we have uh, seen um, is companies bring in um, a public relations, you know, entity. They might bring some kind of crisis management to look at the board, to look at board governance, to look at, you know, management functions, to look at very specific programs. We have seen the bo- boards create committees to do some type of, uh, you know, a self-assessment. We've also seen people being brought onto boards externally who can bring, uh, you know, perhaps a different vision and a different um, perspective. So when we start talking about externally, you know, in a crisis situation, we have seen that occur Sometimes a company will recognize they need some expertise in investigations. Um, you know, especially in the FCPA area, you know, internally, 
um, a lot of companies are just not equipped to handle uh, an investigation of an FCPA matter, and they have to outsource that to a law firm with expertise in investigations, particularly if it's a multinational and you have to have some reach around the world. You have to go external, you know, to bring in, um, you know, some um, talent to be able to look at that. So that's just one area. We have seen other companies do things like outsource third-party due diligence. So that's another external um, way of looking at your program. And sometimes it's a company that will do the third-party due diligence for a company. So rather than having you know, um, somebody in, in the company doing that, they will outsource due diligence. Uh, sometimes it's a great thing. Because these companies that are out there, and, and you know them as well as I do, have an expertise and have a reach that a company just doesn't have. You know, if they're hiring somebody or doing due diligence on a subcontractor or something. Um, some companies will outsource maintenance of electronic records and their cybersecurity uh, because they just don't have the capabilities in-house to do that kind of thing. We've worked with companies who will have, believe it or not, an internal audit externally done, um, and they'll just bring an, ex an external uh, company in to be the internal auditor. Sometimes that can be very effective um, when a company just doesn't have the wherewithal to do it. We've also seen some companies um, uh, work, at, at, you know, not necessarily in the FCA, FCPA space, but in the government contracting space, we will see companies that will bring in contract administration uh, types of services so that they stay on top of their contracts. And the other one that we've seen a lot is forensic accounting, bringing in, you know, one of the forensic accounting firms to help, um, you know, do some of that kind of auditing. So that's just some of the functions that can be, you know, sort of outsourced. Ben, um, as you know, I've always practiced on the civil side of things, so I not, do not have a prosecutorial background, but one of the things I continually hear is the importance of establishing a solid relationship with the regulators and prosecutors as early as possible. Could you give us a few words about that and the coordination with those groups? Yeah, so it's a challenge, right? Um, it's always a challenge when you are you know, a private company and something's happened and now you have to make that decision um, to either self-report or to just sort of get a sense of, you know, what's out there. Or you might have gotten a subpoena or a letter uh, looking for documents or what have you. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge. I'm going to say that, you know, um, and a lot of the conversation that I've been involved in and have heard um, includes, I'm going to give you the challenges and I'm going to give you the, some of the, the, the ideas right around it. Um, once you start coordinating with a government agency um, and you voluntarily decide to report something, you may be waiving attorney-client privilege, right? You may be, you know, especially under this new guidance, you may have to cooperate fully and identify um, names and individuals within the company. You may have to produce documents. Um, so those are sort of the considerations. Now, on the other hand, what we have seen is some companies through counsel successfully navigate who to report to. You know, so sometimes you're not reporting necessarily to DOJ. You're reporting to a government agency that um, is much more involved in the actual behavior or, you know, funding mechanism or what have you. So 
that can be a very positive thing if you find the right you know, agency to report. You may have a more of a business relationship with them. Um, there might be more of a rapport there. Um, so, so that sometimes can be very um, helpful, right? Uh, and the other thing that um, we hear about, um, and it's one of the criticisms um, that that a lot of um, uh, attorneys um, will make. Uh, is particularly when it's multi-jurisdictional, right? So you might have an investigation going on in France. There might be one in DOJ. There might be one at the EPA. You might have an SEC you know, matter being investigated. There's something going on in Singapore. Who do you report to? And you know, what do you have to report to everybody? Is there some co- kind of cooperation? It's it's a navigational you know nightmare sometimes. Um, you know, as counsel would prefer to have sort of a global settlement. Sometimes that's not easily done, right? So, you know, there's just lots of considerations there. I think uh, what we have seen um, as monitors, and sometimes we're brought in proactively in, in situations like that, when, when attorneys develop uh, relationships, when they have self-reported and the company's fully cooperating, they do get a much better ear, right? Um, and they do get sort of special consideration it may be sort of a reduction in some of the the penalties but it's a tough it's a tough navigation uh tom uh i would say that certainly speaks to the need to have a former prosecutor because uh i think uh you guys just think different than we folks on the civil side of things so i uh throw in that plug but i think it's absolutely mandatory yeah I, I agree with you. I, I do. I mean, that's you, you can't under you know undersell that you know because it, they they know sort of you know the lay of the land, you know they know you know personalities, they know what the government is looking for and needs, you know, um, and and so I agree with you. I, I I think that that's an invaluable consideration. So Ben, what uh, what might be some of your thoughts on a little bit different focus? You talked about the third party due diligence. What about the M and A process, particularly the pre acquisition component? Yeah. Um, so again, we've seen it through some of our experience in monitoring companies who have acquired a company during the monitorship, um, and. We've also done some due diligence for companies looking to purchase other companies. So it's a sort of a variety of, of experiences that we've had. Um, and so for, for, and that's a consideration now under the DOJ guidance, um, the, you know, mergers and acquisitions and what's, what's pending, what's contemplated because DOJ wants to know, you know, have you done your homework on the company that is you're looking to acquire or is looking to acquire you? Who are they? Where have they been? You know, do they have anything in their background that's going to cause, you know, some problems with, uh, you know, a deferred prosecution agreement or, um, you know, sometimes of uh, administrative agreement? So here's some of the things that we think about, and that is that the due diligence that has to occur or that does occur when a company is looking to acquire another company 
can't just be um, focused on sort of the numbers, you know, and that type of thing. There's a, the softer side, and that's, that's us, <laughs> Tom. The, the compliance side, that softer side, does need to be considered. You need to look at whether or not the company does have a compliance program. Does it have a hotline program? You know, are there complaints to the hotline? You know, are there things that are percolating below the surface that you're not going to see in, in just looking at dollars? Right. That has to be done um, when you're making that kind of decision to acquire a company. So what's going on within the company that's that's looking to be acquired? Do they have good compliance controls? Um, Once you make that decision and the merger does occur, the next thing that I know DOJ is going to be looking for and that we look at is what's the integration plan? You know, um, do you want the company that you're purchasing to be, you know, fully implemented into your company or are they going to be a standalone? Is their compliance program going to be used? Is it, are you going to have them, uh, you know, use your, you know, your program? Those are considerations that are also being looked at. You know, um, some of the companies that we have monitored over the years um, have uh, been acquired, reacquired, and then reacquired. And so people are wearing different hats. You know, one year you're in this company, the next year you're in that company, and then three years later you're in another company. That's a consideration, you know, when you're thinking about um, a merger and an acquisition and, and how to, you know, integrate people that are coming from different, uh, you know, companies, backgrounds, cultures into your culture. Those are all things that have to be considered here. So, I hope that answered that question. Yeah, it does. And unfortunately, Vin, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting with Vin DeCiani, and we've been considering an external perspective. I hope you'll join us for our next episode tomorrow where we take a look at can uh, strong compliance programs be used as either a shield or a sword or perhaps both. So, Vin, uh, thanks, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and our exploration of strategies for corporations under the new DOJ guidance, which was issued in 2018. And I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. Please check out Affiliated Monitors at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Affiliated Monitors is the sponsor of this podcast. The podcast has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.